0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Formula One can't race in the wet, apparently. We're back in the most boring race of the year and it actually wasn't that boring. G'day, my name is James Baldwin and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 Podcast. In this episode, we review the Monaco Grand Prix. And I'm joined... Another OG episode by my friend and yours, Thomas J. Camp. G'day, mate.
1: Hello, mate. How are you?
0: I'm doing very well. Uh, Dave Munnis was going to join us, but unfortunately stuck in the dark ages with his uh, iPad not working. Um, it, is, it is a shame, but we will persevere and at some point in the not-too-distant future have Dave Munnis back on the show. Um, a shout-out to Tommy T., Freya as well. Uh, in a couple of weeks' time, the uh, Freya and Tommy T. and I will all be in the same place. Goodness me. And it also means I'm moving down to Melbourne. Uh, so there'll be more in-person podcasts, which means if you're listening to this on YouTube, yes, we will get the video element back, I promise. It's just not worth it at Thank this point in time.
1: Oh Lord. Oh, dear Lord. I'm sick of Zoom <laughs> chats. Not that I did them in lockdown, but for the podcast, it's uh – Way better in person. Anyway, moving on.
0: We know, we know it's way better in person, uh, and uh, we we accept that feedback. But anyway, it, as you say, Campy, it is. Uh, it's going to be a good thing to to be back in person. But uh, mate, lots uh, lots happened between yes. the Spanish Grand Prix and this Grand Prix uh my apologies for for being away i had these the spicy cough it was no good it absolutely smashed me sideways to the point where i haven't even watched the Spanish Grand Prix i didn't even bother catching up with it uh this podcast was was too good campy it was too good to listen to uh i felt absolutely no need to watch the race that's how good you are my friend um and to be clear uh you uh look <laughs> you and Tommy T maybe got Slightly more downloads than the previous couple of episodes (laughs) that we've done.
1: (laughs) We're going with they hear James's voice and there's people who just turn off the podcast all they want, man. Dommy, but no, no. Oh, no. It was
0: fair enough. It's like me when Nico Rosberg is on the Sky broadcast. I turn it off in my mind. Uh well let's let's you, start. Sorry,
1: just just on that. Did you see Nico's no shoes appearing on TV? I just I did. Oh my lord. Get it together, some. I just oh. don't
0: understand. Um, look, I guess. There is, There are parts of him that are absolutely brilliant. Yes, and and someone said this in the Discord chat yesterday. Yes, absolutely. Uh, his hungry commentary last year where he was just calling it out as it was and there was no nonsense, Nico. I'm here for that. But the absolute ridiculousness around him for the rest of the time and everything that he talks about, this is the thing, he doesn't answer the question you ask him and he brings it, always brings it back to Lewis Hamilton. It's like, mate, let it go, all right? Yes, okay, you won a world championship, congratulations. Many, many other people have done the same and don't talk about their main competitor or their teammate time and time again years afterwards. Anyway, that's my thoughts. Yep. Just He's in the bin. He is so far in the bin of bins, I can't even tell you. Uh, bin Campy, let's let's go to my favourite part of the podcast, Um, which is going to be a version of yours and mine, but it's Tommy T's In Absence, rest in peace, uh, Broadcast Review. Um, And, of course, without him. Without him here, um, we are able to to jump in. Uh, let's start with uh, the, the fact of the matter of the Monaco Grand Prix does its own TV broadcast, Campy. Um, and as such, we have incidents or mishaps, let's say, that uh, involve, <laughs> like we've had in previous years, of... Uh, random shots being shown rather than the actual action. Of course, we remember Lance Stroll being shown uh, as Gasly was trying to take go an overtake uh, up the hill. Uh, this year, we uh, had some other interesting ones, didn't we, Campy?
1: We did. We had, uh, we had some crashes that would delayed our footage, particularly Danny Rick's little shunt in FP2. It took about five minutes for them to get the footage for it. Uh, same for Mick Schumacher's little crash he had last night. Uh, just took forever to get the live shots up. I don't really know what's happening there, but uh, who we have? It was pretty good this weekend. I'm a big fan of Dureste. He's growing on me, He's getting better and better. Pinkham, she's a star. We love Nat. Not in the commentary box. I like her as a contributor, uh, a bit like myself. Uh, I can <laughs> put long. myself on the same <laughs> level as Natalie Pinkham there. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I'm sure plenty of people would agree with you for that uh, it's a, Look,
1: it's a great vibe. Monaco is always great. The race is not as good as we would want it to be. Sometimes, um, I mean, you look at some of the uh, some of the flashback clips they did to like nineteen eighty eight and two thousand two. You just see how much smaller the cars were back then, and it gives you a sense that there's a bit more room, there's a bit more to work with. But I think as these cars continue to get faster and faster and bigger and bigger, uh, the track just I mean, it doesn't lend itself to great racing. Yeah. Uh, awesome spectacle amazing particularly with the uh the visor cam this year
2: Jeez, Yes. it's an incredible
1: view um, isn't it it's a bit oh, it's like watching uh it's like watching a view from the helicopter in 1990 in uh <laughs> in Japan but it <laughs> gives you a little taste of what these guys are experiencing uh front on but I thought it was pretty good yeah the anthem was good Jim the anthem was good uh, I, like uh, a live I do. anthem
0: yeah I do love a good marching band. and uh, as it cut to uh, the shot of the marching band coming down the the pit straight towards everybody, uh it was uh, it was a bit exciting, wasn't it? Of course, we now know that uh, the flyovers for a lot of these f one races are no longer a thing, um which was interesting and uh, Tilly Willie on discord pointed that out and thank you for for that bit of information mate. but it's been a it's been a <laughs> A bit of a disappointment, Campy, hasn't it? Because part of our favourite thing is coming along and doing a flyover.
1: I would have assumed that uh, Monaco, is, as in its own nation in Europe, they probably would have joined NATO at the moment, and uh, I would have thought they might have got some NATO <laughs> <laughs> fighters over the uh, over the track, but no, I'm not too sure why that is. Um, is it a bit of an expression of military might that F1's, I mean... Scared to offend some offendable people at the moment, or what maybe is that <laughs> the reasoning behind it? Who would know?
0: No, I think you'll find it is a sustainability element. And oh, F1 wow. trying to uh, say, maybe don't fly the planes that are flying over anyway on other exercises, just not over a Formula One track.
1: It's over it. the Look, chemtrails, anyway, aren't they, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Manus right, well welcome,
0: arrived. welcome to Manus. Hello, <laughs> welcome uh, seven minutes into this. G'day. Uh, nice to have you with us, mate. Yeah, just talking about the lack of flyovers now with uh, with Formula 1, but, of course, a solid national anthem. Um, any points f- from you for the broadcast review? Of course, we've spoken about the fact that Nico Rosberg it was back with no shoes.
2: Oh, standard Rosberg looking like... Uh the bad guy out of some uh, Hollywood blockbuster, but um, yeah, um, I only caught the the tail end where I saw Martin Brundle getting um, shunned by someone. Who is that? Some oh, totally were, there were many Brundleon. many
0: people, but some someone from Bridgerton who uh, whose PA or mm. whoever it was is saying. Um, she's not doing television interviews. And as Martin said, well, she's halfway there considering we're doing live television and (laughs) (laughs) the back of her head is currently on camera and we're all going to figure out who it is if we cared that much about it. Uh, It's an interesting Uh. point, isn't it, uh, Manus, in terms of actually trying to be on a on a grid you have to assume that you're going to have live broadcasts around and part of the agreement should be right well if you're on the grid you need to do a television interview you can't just stand up Martin Brundle uh, and be what is incredibly rude uh, when you let's be honest haven't paid for that access you've been given it plenty of us in the world would love to pay for that access mm. uh, just turn around and do a quick yes this is who I am and this is why I'm at the race
2: yeah like it's not that hard to be polite to someone I mean oh it's it's. I find it embarrassing. It's hard to watch at times. Um, it's good whenever you get someone who's delighted to be there. Um, you know, Tom Cruise has his faults, but whenever he's on there, he's, you know, good to talk. And there's a few others, not he's an absolute grub, but you know, when you see that it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a off.
1: Patrick Dempsey Patrick Dempsey did well yesterday. Mm. What a bona fide superstar that guy is. He can talk bullshit off the cuff just like you, Jim. <laughs> I was very Thank you. impressed. But yes. yeah,
0: he's a, he's uh, a genuine motorhead. Mm. So well, he, uh, he races uh, the uh, in couple. Carrera. Yeah, there you go. Exactly right. He does. The other interesting thing, Campy, is uh, the fact that Christian Horner is back on the pit wall again. It's like uh, the third time he's he's been on. we we hardly seeing any other team principals uh, we know that uh, Christian does enjoy the camera. In fact, talking about the grid walk, you could see he could spot Martin Brundle from about a mile away, and he just ensured that he just had this absolute parting of people before him as he sort of took his headphones off and was ready for Martin to talk to. I think he's the only person that was excited to talk to anyone on the grid walk. But, Campy, surely we can find other team principals to have during the race.
1: Oh, he could, could have had a chat to Eric Bull. Yeah, he was right there. Uh, the old McLaren head of McLaren Technologies, so you know, could have got a few was it uh, jelly beans for doing good work from the <laughs> boss Fredo Frogs? Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, oh, look, I think I mean, he's the most relevant team principal, him and te- him and Mattia Bonanno at the moment, so they're the ones getting all the attention, they're the ones people want to talk to. I mean, Toto works real when Brundle walked up to him and said, oh, I haven't seen you. I haven't really seen you uh, in the paddock either. It's because Mercedes is down the back, and if you're not at the front and you're not in everyone's eye and you're not wanted as much. I mean, Toto's amazing. He's incredible what he's done with that organisation over the last decade. But, uh, I mean, if you're not at the front, you're not relevant. So that's that's just how the sport is. And, I mean, that's the reality. So move on. One of the things that I... Horner does love a bit of... uh, Bit of hornet the time, the <laughs> time with Jerry. One of the things
0: that uh, absolutely was brilliant about this broadcast was Martin Brundle's singing, basically singing this this lap uh, as they go around, and uh, he did an absolutely phenomenal job in qualifying, uh, talking around. Max Verstappen's lap is the most memorable one. Uh, As you said last week, Campy, poetry in motion is what Martin Brundle does. Uh, But let's go for a score, Campy. Let's go for a score for the overall weekend, uh, including the anthem and the broadcast review. What are you giving it out of 10?
1: I would have given it a nine, but I saw Rosberg's feet, so I'll drop (laughs) it to a seven. (laughs) Yeah, it was certainly a lot better than what I was
0: expecting it to be. Quite honestly, with um with the local broadcaster, but yeah, I think that is a that's a fair thing. I'd probably even drop it down a further further couple of points after seeing. I'm not it as fair. cynical
1: as Tommy. Taylor. I'm on the broadcast, it's not as bad as what you two can make it out to be. That's honest. why it's not I'm Campy's
0: Tom's. broadcast review because exactly. you're you're consistent. We don't like consistency here. We like it being a, all over the place. I'm too happy
1: on a Monday morning, you know. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's how I would describe you. Yes, happy on a Monday morning. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's keep going. Uh, let's talk about some some news. Uh, and uh, first of all, let's talk about Monaco. Uh, it's the last contracted year in the uh, in the calendar. We know there's going to be some toing and froing. Uh, Flavio, even whatever the hell he said in Martin Brundle's grid walk, he said something. I think as Brundle was trying to decipher, um, but said, you know, just give it a couple of weeks. Uh, maybe two weeks. I think is what he said. And we'll figure out whether or not Monaco stays on the calendar. Uh, Manas, I would have said beforehand, I'm so sick and tired of this race. We we talk about it as the jewel in the crown and then nothing really happens. Turns out all you need is uh, (laughs) to delay the start for an hour and nine minutes, lots of rain, and then maybe some jeopardy as well. But uh, in terms of keeping it on the calendar, I'm sure like the rest of the Formula One community, you would like to see it there
2: yeah i i quite like monaco um history and the prestige that comes with it uh it's something you know growing up as a kid it was always a race you looked out for um even though sometimes you'd watch it and it turned into a procession so um whole calendar there's too many drivers live there a lot of the guys there yeah, i i think it's just background i i would be very on the calendar again uh going forward
0: it's one of those things campy isn't it that as you said, you, you see previous footage of years gone by where the cars are much smaller and the racing's quite phenomenal. And it has caused some fantastic results, including for DR. It's also maybe some really terrible results for DR as well because of a certain pit crew who couldn't get their crap together. Uh, but overall, it is, it is an important part of the calendar. And if you don't like it, I suppose, just like if you didn't like Vegas as an idea, you don't have to watch it, do you?
1: Well, I think it's Stefano, Stefano Domenicali's playing some politics at the moment. He's he's openly come out and talked about getting rid of tracks like Spa and Monaco off the grid. Now, he's he's making public the politics that's going on behind closed doors. Now, we don't really know what's happening, but as an event – I think the events are credible. As soon as the track racing, as soon as all the off on-track stuff's done, they open it up. You have parties up and down the pits, and the bars are open to all the people. I think it's brilliant for the town, you know. I mean, I've never been there, but I presume it's brilliant for the town, brilliant for the people. It's once a year. I mean, it's not just a one-weekend event now. I mean, you've got the uh, the Heritage Race a couple of weeks ago, uh, Formula E's doing races there now. That was about three weeks ago. So, it's you know, it's almost a whole four-week festival for this town. And I, I think they will have an event next year. Um, maybe not with F1s if Dominicali wants to take it the way he does it. But if he does that, I think there will be a massive um, lash out from the fans and the community out there and uh, – he'll ultimately lose his job. I think F1 at the top with him in charge is is losing a bit of perspective about what people actually like about Monaco and and um, or and the fans a bit too I mean, I mean, yes, we're all about a Vegas race. Yes, we all want to go to Vegas for that race. It's going to be awesome. But do we really need it? Mm. Like, we had that chat before. I don't think so. I think they're losing a bit of sight about what this sport actually is. I think they're too American eccentric at the moment and focusing on that market as 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 a key one to get better. I mean, if you're a betting man and F1 is happy to do business with China, you would go and look at the Chinese market with Juan and pump that more than you would the U.S. market. So um, I'm not too sure what the thinking is at the top. Um, we're only getting snippets of it. But if they make that decision to not race there next year, just, it's just utterly stupid. Yeah, well, I think… But then it- again, ex-Ferrari head would make an utterly dumb call like that.
0: <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it, that uh, I, I feel like the success currently for Dominic is is really on the coattails of Chase Carey. Chase has done yeah. an amazing job, did an amazing job um, as the head of Formula One. Uh, and, yeah, it's an interesting change at the top. Um, Interesting conversations around culture and um, and decisions and yeah, this this boldness of you know you need us more than we need you kind of attitude from Diminicalli. I don't think is the way that you should be approaching this sport. But uh, anyway, that's an interesting one. What I want to pick up on though is from uh, last week's episode, Campy with with you and Tommy T, talking about the comparison between Mark Weber and Daniel Ricciardo, and, and you you flagged that you wanted to continue. Talking yeah. about that the, for this week, uh, I, I think it's an absolutely very very good point. Firstly, well raised, well done to you both for that. But uh, in terms of where they are at in their career, it's Manus, I wanted to to ask you this, similarly to to what Campy and Tommy T were talking about in terms of where is Dr in comparison to Mark Webber now at this this part of his career. We know that Mark. Made some poor choices by going to Williams instead of Renault, of course, uh, for that championship winning year. Talking about Flavio, that was uh, you know, Flavio's team. So the fact that he didn't go there was tough to swallow. Um, he did have a chance at, at getting a championship, at least in a Red Bull um, against Seb Vettel, unlike Daniel. But where does Daniel flow out now? Because there has been so much conversation about just how crap Daniel Ricciardo suddenly is. Um, from the fair weather fans, either at McLaren or elsewhere, about, you know, get rid of him, put Colton Herder in, whoever that guy is, uh, and suddenly, you know, fix this problem that he's going to be amazing. But r- really, I mean, Daniel and McLaren maybe just not sticking together as well as we thought.
2: Yeah, look, I, I find it hard to compare um, drivers across different generations of the sport. Um, it's quite hard to do. It's quite hard to do in any sport. Um, but where Daniel's at at the minute he does feel a little bit lost. Um, yes, maybe everybody keeps saying, had he stayed at Red Bull, he could have been up there doing races. Would I don't think so. I reckon Max was always going to be the golden child. He was always going to get the um, priority when it came to um, development and the most engineers and the most time spent in his car, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it was the right move for Daniel to move when he did. Um you know had he stayed at alpine would could he have made that car better um the mclaren move like it's 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 all right being Captain hindsight and saying why and z but i mean that mclaren car a couple of years ago was a very good car and he has won races in it this season it's not been good but it, there's still time for that car mclaren to improve and that car to get better um but yeah, it's it's that's just how the sport is. You can you can be lucky with your decisions and moving, and you can be unlucky. Um, you just got to look at Lewis Hamilton's jump to Mercedes. It it just worked for him. Um, and then if you look at George Russell, it moved into the the Mercedes mm. this season, and the car is not what it's been for the last ten years. You, it's just how it is. You can be lucky. You can be unlucky. Campy, there
0: was some uh, comments that uh, Zach made, which. were t- – to be honest, probably fair enough. And even Daniel's come out afterwards and said fair enough that uh, he wasn't, that Daniel's not meeting expectations of of Zach and, and potentially where McLaren's at uh, for, for the moment. Daniel agreed. I think everyone would agree. But, of course, yeah. all that's done is fuel this fire around DR being Replaced, leaving halfway through the sick se- seriously, there is a Facebook group called Daniel Ricardo Supergroup that I had to leave during this week because there is just that much idiocy in the world of people who have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. Um anyway, just there's lots of fair weather fans, put it that way. But Campy, what what there's is another
1: perspective too? And what the is, other perspective is is that McLaren hasn't given DR the car that he wanted. Right. There I you mean, go. Billy Four Eyes on our Discord made a really good point this week. Danny Rick missed the uh, missed the second test in Bahrain. And if you look at the races, Bahrain, I think he beat Max. I think he beat Lando, sorry. But the car was nowhere and it was a piece of shit. They went to Saudi. It got better, but he had a mechanical that weekend. The third race in uh, Italy, uh, in Melbourne, they were on top of it and they were getting better. And Lando and... and, and uh, and Dr's race pace was pretty good. They were right behind each other, and and you know, Danny Rick got told to not go through the team orders. The race after that in Italy, um, Danny Rick had car problems again. He had that in, he had that crash with uh, was it Bottas or someone? Oh no, sorry, with Signs early on in the race, and that compromised Sainz's race and Danny Ricardos race too. There was damage to the floor. We go to the next race in. Um, after that, where did we go? We went to uh, Barcelona, I think, after Italy. And, um, oh, Miami. sorry, we went to Miami. And the car was not that good. I mean,. Him and Lando performed fairly well together. But I think Danny Rick had another mechanical issue as well. Um, Then we went to Barcelona and the car was nowhere with all the upgrades. And then we rock up here to Monaco. Danny Rick has his issue in FP2. And then we get to the qualifying. He's missed a whole, you know, session and a half in a car in a weekend. We got to build up to your fastest lap. And the car was not clearly not as good as Lando's car last night. So I'm sitting here and there's two sides of it. I hadn't really looked at it like that. The problem is, for me, is I don't think McLaren has given Daniel the car he wants. He's been really specific about the the sort of car he wants. He wants high downforce on the front end and he wants to drive it through the front. And McLaren's philosophy on going fast hasn't won them a world championship since Lewis Hamilton in 2008, you know, and that was lucky. If you go back before that, they had a dominating era. Albeit when it was really Mercedes as, as a constructor, as a as a engine supplier. So I'm looking, although I love Zach and I think Zach's done great things to the operation. I'm just, I I am at a wits end to understand why Danny Rick loses 15 seconds to a guy like. Um, Pierre Gasly or Magnuson when they pass him on track at a place like Monaco. Monaco. We know what Danny Rick's like around Monaco when he's got what he wants. He is by far the best and he's five tenths better than everybody else. Why is it when he comes here he's got a piece of shit and then Lando can somewhat extract something out of the car? Right? There's something fundamentally wrong with the way, A, Danny Rick's driving or something fundamentally wrong with the setups and where they're going.
0: Yeah, it's certainly, it, that's a, certainly a good point. Uh, and as Billy said, yeah, it, it, what about the car? Why is McLaren not apologising <laughs> rather than the other way around? And certainly, as I said, it, it's it's throwing fuel on the fire. And as much as we love Zach, as, as frustrated as he is, conversations like that do not help uh, the position. DR is still one of the top five drivers on the grid. There is just absolutely no shadow of a doubt in my mind that that is the case uh and he and it's not just the bias. it's just that is what it is uh it's nice to nice to have some facts all right let's uh, let's talk about qualifying <laughs> manas uh some random red flag was thrown in q1 by someone which meant everything else had to tumble down being all red flags for absolutely no reasons um i've written here a can be quote jumping a ghosts again uh that's what it seems like f1 Breaking. has been doing uh, <laughs> breaking a ghost but jumping at well okay waving at ghosts. Uh that was a bit ridiculous, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, was there debris and the, a little bit of debris on the track I mean, even if there was, it didn't look like much or certainly the cameras were picking up the wrong the wrong part. Um yeah, it was it was a bit it was a bit silly really at times um during quali. Um although the last one was pretty legit. I mean, Science nearly took out Perez which was uh, on the last corner Um, but again I mean should science have backed off earlier than that there was a bit of discussion around that there was wait what two three seconds between them so anyway it is what it is that turned out to be a bit of a traffic jam there Um, but yeah it it was certainly an interesting quality and you know with Monaco you have to get that lap in because there's always a chance of yellows and reds around that just how it is.
0: Can we say that the most exciting part of Monaco is the qualifying weekend and then the best thing to do is go and watch (laughs) Indy the following day because you pretty much know how the race is going to play out depending on the order uh, for qualifying. wasn't necessarily the case this time, but uh, for, for Charles Leclerc to have a decent qualifying without crashing into something was good for him.
1: Yeah, it's good. Um, good for his confidence the first time he's actually seen a checkered flag this weekend in Monaco throughout his whole career. so I still think <laughs> we need to look at crashing in um, in qualifying if you do cr- if you crash or you damage your car, I think there needs to be penal penalties because I don't like the fact that Perez can you know start third after the mistake he made and then ultimately causing, uh, was it science, to go in behind him and then get to change gearboxes box, gear and stuff like that. I don't, I don't like it. I just We need to get that right. If you stuff up qualifying, you've stuffed up your race. I don't care about the laps you set previously, the lap times. If you damage your car and you've got to fix it, under park thermo conditions, you go to the back of the grid.
0: Yeah, I think that is that's a really good point, and we we've spoken about that before as well, Campy. Absolutely, um, but qualifying as a whole was pretty pretty good, I suppose, until yeah. Dr didn't get up into the top ten, um, and he had a he had a pretty decent. Q1 and, and started to make some progress. But as you said, Campy, for, for him to not have that momentum carrying through for, for all of the sessions makes it very hard. Uh, Manus, my favourite part, though, for qualifying was uh, th- those who qualified 7th, 8th and 9th, Fernando Alonso, Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel. Um, how many world championships can you have in a row? Um, and the wily old campaigner, as David Croft likes to call Fernando Alonso getting the best. Uh, Nando paid, played some uh, some great tactics in the race as well, which we'll talk about shortly. Uh, but in terms of where that Alpine is and what Fernando is, is doing with it, certainly pantsing Ocon still, isn't he?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I actually really enjoyed Ocon's tussle with Lewis. Uh, I actually really enjoyed that. And I'm not even sure why we'll come to that, but I'm not even sure why Ocon got uh, penalized for that. But yeah, certainly Fernando he had a good race um, early on. Um we didn't really see him too much. He was just doing his own thing, but he was he was keeping it up there well within the top ten. Uh, so yeah, he was you know, he had a pretty good, pretty solid weekend. And it's always good to see him. I mean, when we we're at Barcelona, we got to see him before the race um, doing stuff at his karting track. And he seems to be enjoying life and enjoying where he's at and enjoying his time at Alpine, um, which, which is good to see because in the past, we know he's, you know, got that fiery side to him. And sometimes that's been to his detriment at team. So um, it's nice to see him in a good place.
0: Let's talk about the race now uh, as we quickly move through. There was a one-hour and nine-minute delay thanks to rain. Campy, it's never rained at a Formula One event before, so we can't possibly go racing when there is water on the track, can we?
1: Utter fucking stupidity. It it, it is mind-bogglingly stupid. After the decisions we had last year about going racing, and then delaying it because there's a bit of water on it. Like, who cares if there's water on the track? That's why we go racing. This could have been, imagine the first 20 minutes of that race. We would have had a stack, and we probably would have had a red flag. And, But, hey, that's what it's about, and not giving us a standing start. Oh, it would be unfair to some teams who started on the wet side. That, Give me a bloody break. This sport is full of bloody plebs running it up the top end. I would much prefer to have Massey running the joint last night than uh, this dickhead that's running at the moment. Again, I'll put my hand up. I'm happy to do the job. I'm happy <laughs> to do it for. I'm happy to do it for fifty grand a year plus expenses, and uh, <laughs> I'll save you some money as well. I mean, it's just ridiculous some of the decisions that our sport is making. We are jumping at ghosts at the moment, and we're we are too scared of the potential risk. When we have cars that, you know, I mean, look at some of the crashes we've had, Alonzo in Melbourne, um, Weber in uh, Yas Marina where he flipped it, where he went up uh, the uh, the Caterham's ass. I mean, look at some of those crashes and guys walk away from it. Bit of wet, bit of rain in Monaco, give me a break, you'll just hit a barrier anyway. The car will crumble into nothing. Jeez. Kampi, do well, you they think- did
2: anyway. Sorry, General, but Kampi, do you think that we're – like Latifi and Stroll crashed before the race even bloody started. Yeah. So we've got two paid drivers there. Do you think we're having to cater to the to the crappest drivers on the grid by these sorts of decisions?
1: Oh, who knows? I mean, that's probably a contributing factor there. Like, oh, it's dangerous on the outlap, therefore. But, well, again, you've got two dickhead drivers that shouldn't be on the grid anyway. If, I mean, F1 was back what it was like 20 years ago. So are they catering for them? Probably not but we're just too safety conscious. I mean, safety's paramount, all those things, but a bit of rain. Give me a break. Yeah, I
0: don't That's- understand that it's not like that it was spa kind of rain. I mean, it was heavy rain, yeah. sure, but not consistent enough to make that the issue. The, the fact that they delayed it for so long is just beyond me. And as you say, the fact that they had to then have a – behind the safety car restart, a rolling start rather than a be able Ugh. to go. I mean, that's Monaco. That's where you make your pass is the first couple of hundred metres going into the first corner, and you you robbed us of that. Um, and certainly in Australia, the, the fact that it was delayed so heavily uh, is just ridiculous. I mean, there as you say, the, the safety consciousness, yeah, cool, let's be safe, absolutely. But in my mind, there was no real danger to anyone there because it's not that it's fast of a circuit. It's not like it's Saudi Arabia where that's going to be a big issue if someone's, you know, it's hurtling down anywhere anyway. It was just absolutely bloody ridiculous. Uh, Michael Massey, bring him back.
1: And can I just say, I, I had 100 bucks on Danny Rick last night. He's he paying 251 to one, so he's paying twenty. 23- five grand. I thought, you know what, Danny Rick's good around this track. <laughs> Bit of rain. We know what he was like in the rain in uh, 2016 and with that infamous uh, pit stop that Red Bull had that pushed him back behind uh, Sir Lewis Hamilton. And I thought, geez, we, I mean, and for me, the star of that race was like, these guys just cost me 25 grand. <laughs> I could just imagine Kivyat coming back, torpedoing everyone through it. <laughs> Like Moses, oh. the Red Sea is parted for Danny Rick and <laughs> a win and twenty-five grand coming my way. But yeah, look, I yeah, it's a struggle to watch. All He's pretty shit in the wet, really. I think he lost twenty odd seconds to who was it? The past in Gasly Kesley, or Magnuson. Yeah. Yeah, let's oh, go anyway, through our let's go
0: through our team by team analysis now, guys. Let's start at the very back. Haas, um, Mick Schumacher, and Kevin Magnussen both not finishing. Uh, Magnussen kind of DNF'd without anyone really noticing. And the first time I noticed that he wasn't racing was when there was a shot of him looking at Mick's crash. I was like, hang on a second, what? I actually how thought you, there was two cars. I thought
1: they'd hit each other. I thought there was two cars there because I saw the yeah. rear and I didn't realize that it separated from. Uh, from the other mixed half, car. Of, uh, mixed car.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a pretty decent shunt. Um, it's the second time this season he's decided to remove the gearbox from the the chassis, um, which is not going to be good for Haas Campy. The cost cap, of course, limits what you can do. I mean, Haas doesn't have that much money to begin with anyway. Uh, this would not have been a cheap shunt, uh, and it almost looked like he just it just let go very randomly. Maybe a little bit too much throttle there.
1: Yeah, I'll look, at these things are bound to happen. Someone's bound to do it at Monaco. I think there's going to be a few big question marks over Mick Schumacher at the moment. Remember, they left him out of the race in uh, the second race, which was Saudi, was it? Um, because they were scared that, you know, if he crashed it, they wouldn't have enough parts for the, for the following weekend. So for him to do that for the second time this year, I. and the other crashes that he's, like minor crashes, front wings and stuff. says to me the team doesn't have a lot of confidence in him moving forward. I mean, on the open tracks he'll be fine, but these tight tight street circuits could end up costing Gene Haas a hell of a lot of money, particularly when we're operating under budget cats. I think there should be some sort of leeway for damaged cars and crashes because that's just part of the sport, but maybe they'll look at that in the future.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a pretty disappointing weekend for Haas generally, uh, including for for qualifying. They probably didn't get as high up as as they want. And I feel like, I mean, thirteenth for Magnussen and fifteenth for Schumacher. It feel like they've they've kind of lost a lot of that momentum. Um, anyway, it's uh, it's difficult to watch. Uh, we do love K. Mag here. We know Freya uh, and I are absolutely big fans of K. Mag. So it was a shame that he had to DNF with a water pump issue by all accounts. Uh, let's talk about Williams Manas. uh Albon ended up having to retire, which um is is unusual. But as you said, Nicola Latifi crashed before the race had even begun.
2: Yeah, and then almost took out stroll in the pit lane as well. Oh um, goodness. Was it we get to forget really for Williams? I mean, Albon, he he, he just never turned into the Novel ever. He just kept going through it straight, <laughs> from what I remember. Um and then he'd run on at Devot as well um, early on in the race he was running up pretty high he was in 12th or 13th and then then he made that error i assume he just run off and yeah I, i'm not sure if he, that car was having issues with brakes or whatever but he just didn't really look all that comfortable out there in the wet and latifi yeah was not much to say um you know he couldn't he couldn't get around a casino corner and the race hadn't even started and then the petley <laughs> incident just yeah next sadly
0: yeah, it's uh, it's really opening up this conversation around where Oscar Piastri goes for next year, isn't it? Um, yep. Campy, let's talk about Alpha Tauri. Um, talking about someone who continued to go straight on and stand up what was uh, Sonoda, could also is allergic to turning right, um, <laughs> specifically at that Ooh. point of the track. Pierre Gasly, though, in 11th, uh, Campy, he was making moves on that intermediate tyre um, and really, really actually decent racing at that point. He was the only action on track.
1: Yeah, I mean, he had pace compared to the cars around him on that intermediate at the start. I mean, he he got the advantage because he he did it so early. But, um, yeah, poor weekend for him, qualifying mishap. You know, his lap got deleted because of the red flag just before he crossed it. And, I mean, that happens in Monaco, and your weekend's ruined, really. Uh, But they're not the same team, and they're not the same car that they were last year. And uh, it's proving to be... So inconsistent in Gasly's results this year that maybe he's not the driver you guys thought he was last year. Maybe, maybe <laughs> how dare with you? a bit of maybe with a bit of time, how dare My you? predictions are right. No, but yeah, Yuki struggled too. So not a great weekend for the. Uh, For the Alpha Tauri boys.
0: Alpha Tauri just doesn't seem like much of the sister car anymore, does it? To the point where Aston Martin, which is now Green Red Bull, um, performed slightly higher. Sebastian Vettel ended up finishing in 10th in the points. Lance Stroll in 14th. Manas, I'm not sure if you heard Stroll's radio um, after qualifying where he uh, was punted out in quali. Um, There was a lot of screaming going on. There was a lot of toys being thrown from his cot.
2: Oh, well, poor kid. Um yeah, I don't know, but Stroll, honestly, he he used to be good one in five races, and now it's not even one in fifteen. He's just he's he's nowhere most of the time. Um and even during a race he could
1: got that I, drive of got that draw of a merit though, I'm honest.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So look, yeah, he also seemed to pet quite a bit here today. I mean, he must have like four or five pet stops before that red flag and all the rest of it so he was in and out quite a bit changing tires and uh gambling i suppose to try and make something happen but it was never going to Vettel, yeah that was good so points finished for him um yeah hopefully they can get that car getting a bit more red bully and um get it further up the field
0: campy alfa romeo uh (laughs) Joe Guan Yu had the best save of the entire weekend coming alongside yep. Sonoda. Um, would have had to change his race suit, I imagine, at the end of that. As oh. Brundle said, it was absolute oh. fear holding him in the right direction rather than anything else. But fair play to him. I mean, he, he missed out on Quali. I think it was, you know, a second or so with the the lights changed before he got over the line, which was unfortunate, which meant he started in very last place. Um, but fair play to to Joe. He is trying his best at trying to push stuff around. The first time, of course, driving this era of Formula 1 car, well, everyone's first time, but his first time Formula 1 at Monaco, and he was trying things all over the place. So fair play to him. But Valtteri Bottas finishing in ninth, which wasn't a bad result for him considering uh, he didn't qualify as high as he, he would have liked. He was out of Q3 for the first time. Uh, sorry, the second time this year, finishing or qualifying rather in 12th. Uh, but as I said, getting a Nike, that's a good haul. Valtteri's still looking much happier, Campy, than he has uh, at all in the last couple of years.
1: I think Valtteri's career set and he's here for this year, here next year, and he'll probably get a contract extension or he'll go to another team. I don't think he'll get another shot at a, at a top team just because of his age and where he's at and he's had his chance. But, um, oh, con, consummate professional, as good as they come on an F1 grid probably lacks that last 2 to 3% punch to make him a world championship driver at times. But, yeah, Kwan, you show, geez, that was, look looks sketchy. But I don't, at least he's ballsy enough to make give it a crack, you know. Could dive up the inside and, uh, I mean, all credit to Yuki too. He backed out and he could have made that situation a hell of a lot worse than what it was. But, uh, yeah, look, I don't mind it from Guan joke. Good on him. He's having a crack and he's racing hard and that's what he's here to do.
0: Alpine, we mentioned Fernando Alonso earlier, the wildly old campaigner. Well, he was wildly old campaigning, backing up half the bloody pack, wasn't he, Campy? Um, (laughs) Making it very difficult for everyone. Um, until uh, Ocon was handed this five second uh, grid, sorry, five second penalty, I should say, uh, with his contact with Lewis Hamilton, which Manus mentioned earlier, which sort of forced him further down the track a little bit. But Campy, Fernando Alonso, I mean, he he's not getting any worse, is he? And he's certainly not getting any younger.
1: Oh, look, Fernando had more pace than what he was showing, but what he was trying to do was uh, get Hamilton's tires. Really like damage them for driving so close behind him. And then that would enable Ocon for the last 10 laps to conserve his tyres and then throw down and get build that five second gap. I'm not actually sure how it ended up. I went to bed as soon as the race finished. But <laughs> yes. um, I mean, that was the tactic, but there was some at times. That Alpine looked like it had some genuine pace around the track. And he probably would have matched it with a Russell slash uh, Norris type of speed. Uh, maybe a bit slower, but hey, the team was playing a role. And who was ever in front? You look at the first stint. Uh, Ocon did the same thing. He backed the field right up. So there must have been an idea that uh Whatever was going to happen, Ocon was going to back up the pack so that Fernando could make a free pit stop and hopefully jump somewhere. And Look, you never know what happens, but uh, that team was thinking outside the box this weekend. And if you got track position, that's that's your king around Monaco.
0: Yeah, certainly right. Uh, let's talk about McLaren now. DR finishing in 13th, sadly, and Lando finishing in 6th. Uh, Manus, uh, Lando was really on. Uh, George, I think it was two tents behind George Russell when it came to the uh, finishing line. He really got to move on towards the end there. Uh, certainly he's driving this car very well at the moment. Uh, it's certainly better than Daniel, of course, and getting a better understanding of what we can do. But it seems like now Mercedes certainly I've uh, taken that third best uh, grid on the car <laughs> position away from what we were talking about McLaren in terms of uh, their pace around uh, not only Imola but Australia as well.
2: Yeah, that's right. Certainly sixth is about um, at the minute at this stage. um, Hopefully McLaren can get a bit more development out of it uh, going forward and we can see them sort of push higher up the field. But at the minute, I think that's where they're really capped. And yeah, as we mentioned, Danny Rick just didn't have a good weekend. So um, next, I think we're, are we on to uh, Baku where Danny goes quite well um, traditionally. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully better times ahead.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed that that absolutely happens. Um, but uh, we need to cut out this conversation around him being replaced at all this year. If, if you think that and you listen to this podcast, put yourself in the bin and seal the lid shut. Uh, let's talk about Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton <clears throat> fifth. Uh Sorry, Lewis Hamilton in eighth, I should say, and George Russell in fifth. Um, not the first time campy this year that we've seen uh, George outperform Lewis, but Lewis was driving very, very, very aggressively and trying to get past not only Ocon but uh, Fernando as well, two Alpines blocking his uh, his progress forward. It was good to see. And he switched his helmet over halfway through, which is uh, the random fact that Ted yeah. pointed out.
1: Uh, Hamilton, this has never really been a Hamilton track. He's nev- I mean, he's won here because he's had Mercedes in this uh, turbo hybrid era, but it's never really been a, a Hamilton track, and he would admit that himself. He's been lucky here at times, but it's not surprising that he, he didn't out-qualify George. But get stuck behind a couple of Alpines and that seals your race. Now, it's good for George Russell. In the fact that Williams made the, uh, uh, sorry, Mercedes made the undercut work on Norris that allowed him to jump them in that pit stop strategy, and uh, they are pretty comparable this weekend over over a race distance. But the mercs between uh, Norris and, and and Mercedes, I think Danny Rick had the same pace on the drives, not so much the wet tyres, but um. Yeah, good, good, good-ish weekend for Mercedes. It's the best they could hope for, and uh, the future is George Russell. I think Hamilton will hang up the boots at some stage, but he'll have a drive for as long as he wants in this uh, this company. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here for the rest of the year. Toto still believes they can they can win the championship. He thinks that the team's progressing really well. I think they're too far gone, but, hey, you never know. They might bring some upgrades and might figure out the problems they're having with this car and uh, moving forward.
0: There is about 77 races to go in this championship year, so anything is possible that is – that is true, but George really in no man's land, uh, keeping it pretty pretty much to himself there, as I said, except for very the very last lap where Lando was right on him. Uh, Manus, let's talk about Ferrari. A real shame, I, I think, for Carlos signs for for not getting it, but a a massive massive error on the part of Ferrari. What a surprise for Charles Leclerc um, and being stuck behind his teammate. He ended up finishing in fourth, of course. uh, Signs matching his best ever result, finishing in second again. Um, Ferrari need to sort of sort that out, don't they? I mean, track position is king here, as Campy said. They certainly had the better package and uh, they made the right call with hards after the, uh, after the restart, after the red flag. But for that double stack that was, you know, <laughs> I have flashbacks to Kimi, you know, stay out, stay out, stay out, stay out. No, oh, I'm already in the pit lane. <laughs> so, you That's know, exactly what happened again.
2: Yeah, it was classic Ferrari. Uh, we've seen it before a million times. It just turns into a bit of a circus. And while it's funny most of the time, I really felt for Charles Leclerc here this weekend. Um, I didn't. And I didn't tell me. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, as I say, absolute surrogate. Um, You know, track possession here is absolutely king. What they conspired to do was just senseless. Um, yeah, yeah. There's not much more to say than that, but... Um, Carlos signs second. Um, he probably needed that this weekend. He needs a few to get a few good results uh, stringed together. He's had a, f- a lot of DNFS this season so far, um, and Ferrari will want to, you know, go on to win the constructors, constructors this season potentially. Um, so it's good for Carlos. He also had a great save as well on the uh, start mm. finish line. Um, I think he was an intermediates or slicks and he went off slicks. off off the dry line and yeah almost lost it so was doing a bit of his dad's antics um but <laughs> saved it and um yeah managed to keep going and didn't hit a wall which was good for him and yeah Leclerc fourth he had a very frustrating weekend for him frustrating race for him, I should say.
0: Carlos also just absolutely with the best hair on the grid. Uh, After qualifying, he took his helmet off, and it's just like perfect Danny Zuko. Uh, (laughs) That was Freya's point. But also you look at his dad, who's walking around in the rain and not a hair out of place at all. Um, The whole Sainz family, (laughs) big, big yes from me. Um, Camping will finish with Red Bull. Of course, Verstappen finishing in third, Perez finishing in first. There was was a challenge by Ferrari after the race. Uh, against Red Bull, because both cars, it seemed, crossed the uh, the yellow pit exit line before they uh, were able to move into the middle of the track. Uh, the, the stewards dismissed that, and the positions stuck. But really, it was it was good to see, wasn't it? That Perez got up over Verstappen, especially after the absolute ridiculousness of swapping cars last weekend in Spain.
1: Yeah, not bad for a number two driver, really. <laughs> Here he is. It's actually, really, I was really happy for Checo last night. I think, uh, I think there was a bit of a skulldoggery play last weekend. I think they made Perez drive to a, a delta or a set time so that it wouldn't interfere anyway with Max, and I think that was done behind closed doors without Checo's knowing. Um, so it was good for him to bounce back this weekend. Got lucky, I mean, but he put himself in the right position. And through qualifying and even practice, he was looking really quick at times this weekend. And uh, he didn't put it together in qualifying the way he wanted to. But, um, but oh, there the brakes, that's racing sometimes. I mean, it's good for Max too, and he, good on him. He deserved his third place and unlucky for unlucky for Charles. But I, I, can, I, can, I can assure you I saw Tommy T quicker this morning. He said Charles didn't win, and he had a big deal <laughs> to himself. <so>. Yeah. <laughs> That's how Tommy's feeling about the race this morning. Yeah,
2: Sergio no, so I... so Perez when he braked and locked up his front left.
1: Oh. Do you think? Do you
2: think it was a pigeon? I reckon there was a pigeon flew out in front of him, and within an instant, he had locked the brakes. I need really? to go back and watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure of it. I didn't have time to go back and re watch it. I'm pretty sure there was a pigeon flew across the track going into Maribo. And as soon as that happened, the front left was locked up or the front right, whichever one it was.
0: Yeah. Helmet Marco's uh, pigeon services uh, for hire, probably, no <laughs> doubt. Uh, well,. <laughs> <laughs> that It was good to see the, inverted commas, number two drivers get ahead of the number one drivers in those teams. Not that I would ever say that Carlos is a number two driver, but that is our team-by-team analysis, lads. Let's very quickly go through Campy's favourite part of the podcast, our fantasy name competition.
1: Fantasy. 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 fantasy.
0: got a couple in here and thank you so much to you for joining the league and also for changing your names there are some absolutely fantastic ones except for this first one Tully C you can immediately put yourself in the bin Daniel Ricardo's farewell tour I mean Ugh. not no good from you this is supposed to be a competition where you want to win where we like the names that is that's the opposite that's the worst name uh Uh, Ferrari being Ferrari cries in Italian Daniela R um, Monaco Grand Procession Steen N pray for rain Joshua A well that was answered and then look what happened Um, more flags than the UN Samuel R yes (laughs) hashtag justice for Checo Tara G don't mega no don't mega driver Charles in Monaco Krim K yes that's a good call (laughs) as moist as Mick in Monaco Daniel B Monaco at last. Last Monaco. Daniel T. Probably not. Um, Rosberg's foot fetish. IOT. Uh, race directors need to get Will Smith's <laughs> LPS. And Gabo Campi, go get Zach. Nicholas H., well, no, okay. yeah, you're the uh, head of the bin, chief of the bin department here oh, at Lakeside yeah. Drive.
1: Oh, Got I Got, I got
0: Well, that is our very brief Monaco uh, Grand Prix review. Thank you so much for listening, lads. Thank you so much for joining. We'll be back next week with a preview of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix in Baku, one of our favourite tracks here at Lakeside Drive. Uh, but if you enjoyed today's yeah. podcast, please leave a rating or review. And you can find a great and engaged community on Discord. Uh, Links to the description, uh, links in the description, I should say, to that below. But it is time to say goodbye. Gents, thank you to you. We'll see you very soon for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix preview. Yeah. To be clear, also, that one was not the most downloaded episode of all time, you and Tommy T. Okay. (laughs) Absolute menace. (laughs) You're an absolute menace. (laughs) We knew that. Uh, Okay, here we go.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.